Hi, this is Stay, and I am your host, Takesha August. On this podcast, you'll hear conversations and content dedicated to trust, love, and honoring our intuition from birth to motherhood, from work to womanhood. Collectively, we will be cultivating peace, joy, confidence, and community, the foundational elements of thriving in a well-lived life, and sharing some laughter along the way. Here's to new patterns, healed hearts, and becoming the masters of our own self-preservation. You are invited to stay with your heart, with your body, and with me. Hi, and welcome to Stay. This is Takesha, and I am so excited about the conversation that we are going to have, partly for my own selfish reasons, um, because this woman has helped me from afar for quite some time, and I'm so glad that we got a chance to meet in um, in a an Instagram program that was offered by uh, one of my online teachers, Shante Cofield. If you're listening, Shante, hi. Cousin Maestro. Um, this woman, Mary Van Geffen, is so smart. And if you have a child and a spicy one, you want to listen to this episode. So, Mary Van Geffen is an international parenting coach for overwhelmed moms of strong willed and spicy children. Hello, that is me. Based in Southern California, Mary helps moms over the phone or on FaceTime to gain confidence to choose gentle, respectful parenting, especially if they're ra- if they weren't raised that way. She has a ministry on Instagram where she posts an, an inspiring parenting tip every single day. Just reading her social media will help you delight in your child and remember that you are enough. Mary believes that when a mom realizes how hard she is on herself and cracks the door open for some self-compassion, her entire family is bathed in light. Mary is a certified simplicity parenting counselor and professional coactive coach. Her greatest achievement, however, is cultivating a calm, kind, and firm relationship with her spirited go-getter daughter turning 17 next week, polar opposite introverted son 14, and un- Enneagrammable hubby. I love that on Enneagrammable. Is anyone that way? Please welcome Mary. Hi, Mary. Hello, Takesha. Good to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I I'm just like so tickled. I was on a call before this conversation. I was like, I gotta go. I'm so excited because I get to have a conversation about the thing that so many of us listening, myself included, need a lot of support around. And that is parenting our strong-willed and spicy children. I have a, I don't know how spicy my boy is, but he's definitely very strong-willed. And he definitely calls me to second guess what I'm going to say next <laughs> a lot. Um, what, he, like say more about that. How come? Yeah. So he, I mean, he's a little, he's a smart ass. I mean, he just, <laughs> he's that, he's like, he's me, um, so, for example, I, I say, oh, did you eat your crackers that were in your backpack? Well, they're not in there, are they? So it must have meant I ate them. Oh, mm. great. 
Yes. Let Thank me you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's like, but it's also super funny. So my challenge is um, mm. not laughing when he says these things because mm. I'm not sure. I'm like, oh, I don't want to reinforce something that might be considered like rude, but like that was a good one. Like, <laughs> well, he, he sounds like he's got some sass to him, but the oh. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. For sure. Like I recognize that my, what I tolerate here is probably way more lenient than the world might be ready for as he, you know, for, I mean, he's seven, he'll be eight next month. Um, and he's super sweet and super smart, but he is definitely very strong-willed, which I'm excited about because I feel like that'll serve him as an adult. But I guess I, it's, it's, it's a balance, right? Like I'm trying to figure out as a mom, like what parts do I really nurture and what, what things need to be, you know, course corrected. But anyway, I would love for you to share, uh, you know, before we get all deep into my stuff, um, you know, like what, what brought you to this, this path, this coaching of, you know, parents with these spicy, strong-willed kids? Well, living it, living it, feeling like my daughter was, um, not, the person she was supposed to be and, um, you know, getting calls from the preschool and just so much back talk and feeling just sort of out of the depths as to what to do. And also resonating and vibing with this sort of new evolved way of parenting that's gentle and respectful, but not really knowing how to do that and still wanting, I want, I want complete compliance and I want to be respectful and gentle. And they actually don't go together. Mm. Uh, so for me, it was kind of finding rock rock bottom. I was, uh, I was physical with my child in a way that's not okay. In a way where she was not able to go to preschool that day because she had a, a mark on her. And um, that was sort of the low point where my husband said, you got to get some, you got to get some help, figure something out. Mm. And went to take her to a play therapist and um, ended up, she went twice. And then the lady said, will you um, come back next week? And my thought was we were going to talk about what was wrong with this kid. And I ended up going to that lady for two years. For yourself? Um, yeah, for myself. Because wow. I was sort of, um, I was recreating what I grew up with. Mm. And um, that, and I always struggle with how to talk about this in a way that's respectful to my very alive mother. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, I, I had, I was thought of as bossy, too much, um, dram overly dramatic, too sensitive. And so all those words were what I was using to describe my daughter instead of me looking at, well, wait, what am I bringing to this? And what am I actually responsible for here? So a lot of work in therapy. I went down the whole path of kind of exploring simplicity parenting, which is an awesome sort of modality for reducing inflammation in a family. So that was cool. And just found so much success from me getting grounded and working on my stuff. Like the whole family shifted. And I want to truncate that for other people. I don't want you to, I mean, some people get on the phone with me and it's like, yep, you need to go see a therapist. And I, and it's the greatest gift, but most people don't really need therapy. They just need someone 10 years ahead of them who have 
um, can point them in the right direction, especially if they weren't parented that way. A lot of people, a lot of women out there parenting without a map because they want to be calm and respectful and kind and firm, but they didn't see it. So they're making it up and it's not all common sense. There's some stuff that um, just wouldn't occur to you. And it's funny because I do hold that like each one of us is, is unbroken. Like we, like we all have the power within us and, um, and yet I think some things in life are skill-based that we learn and we need others. We need a village to teach us and nobody's really teaching us as we get older, except for the beautiful mentors in our life. Like we, we all have somebody that taught us or coached us or even friended us who we just felt good around. And we kind of know what a positive relationship feels like, but how to create that is often hard. Yeah. You know, one thing that I've been curious about is with these, you know, with every new generation, it seems like we've, we're getting further away from having like elders in -hmm. our communities or having like, you know, those wise women who can kind of steer, you know, the younger ones in directions of like, oh, well, you know, this is, this is how you parent or even like how you show up as an adult, as an adult woman or, um, and I mean, I'm grateful that I was, I was raised by my grandparents. They are still very much alive. My grandmother was a therapist. So she was like, had a lot of tools for parenting. Um, but I also was parented, um, in part by other players. So sometimes by my mother, sometimes by my grandfather, sometimes by, you know, my father very rarely, but like everyone had their own style. Right. And so in my grandparents home, I was like encouraged. I was very much an artist. I was like, say, I want to paint this wall green. And my grandma would take me to the store and get green paint and I would paint the wall green. And so that style a little bit comes into the way I parent, where I'm like, oh, I want my child to, re- to express himself as long as he is safe to do so. But then also I draw the line at like uh, talk back, like sass, like all of that, where I remember like getting plucked in the mouth if I was like sassy mm-hmm. or like, you don't say that. And so like a couple of times when I found myself doing that, I'm like, I don't want to pluck my child in the mouth. That seems mm-hmm. very jarring and not nice. Like, and also if I bust his lip and he's got a toe, like my mom plucked me in the mouth, like who's going to come after me? Like, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's so interesting to like observe all these, all these different parenting styles manifest in my own parenting. But I am curious, like, what are we, like, are we going to run out of elders or the people that can really give some good healed advice for how to parent children who, seem to be getting more and more liberated with every generation. Um, Yeah. I guess I'm thankful in that way for social media as a way to be able to listen freely and without a lot of time commitment to wise people. Um, But you got to pick and choose, don't you? The closest thing I've ever had to elders was having like mentor moms at a Mm. mom's group at church but as I sort of shift in my theology and my Christianity and sort of deconstruct and figure out what do I believe now, seeing kind of how the church responds to um, people in crisis and, and all that, um, it, I don't know if I'd want their feedback. You know, yeah. uh, I once went to a therapist 
before I found the one that before I took Lucy to my daughter, to that play therapist, I went to another therapist and she was so sweet and little and a little old lady. And she's like, sit down, honey, tell me what's happening. So I'm telling her and I see her like take a breath and I'm like, oh, she's about to give me some serious wisdom. Here we go. And she says, honey, have you tried spanking her? And I was like, I'm paying 200 bucks an hour for you to tell me, should I spank her? Like, I got no problems when I'm out of control hitting mm-hmm. a child. Like, that to me is not evolution. That is not, it's obviously not respectful. And I don't think it's biblical. So not that you're here trying to talk about um, faith, but. Um, I'm here for it. All I right. Was also, th- this therapy grandmother is also a pastor. So I'm here for all the conversations. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot of. Um, a lot of butts have been smacked and faces hit and so forth in the name of um, using a rod, you know, and I don't think that that's, that's not what God had in mind. You know what? You you spoke about that on one of your stories or, or post on Instagram, and that really freed me when you talked about the rod. I had never heard about it from that perspective about the rod. Do you remember that enough mm-hmm. to like oh, share yeah. that? Yeah. So, so, so often it's like, hey, honey, spare the rod, spoil the child, which actually I don't think that line comes from the Bible. That's from a um, something that like something that was trying to quote the Bible, but now everybody uses it. And the silliness of that is that the rod comes from the idea of a shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, who's leading his sheep. And the rod is used because it's so tall. All the sheep who aren't that smart, by the way, can see <laughs> um, the shepherd and know where they're going. It's also used when wolves, and I can't say that word very well, wolves come and try to attack the sheep. You can beat back the the wolf, whatever it is. <laughs> the with it, with the... Um, with, the, with crook. the crook. Yeah. Yeah. But it's never used. No. I mean, I, I, I had a couple actual shepherds who grew up with sheep and they said never in their life have they beat and needed to beat a sheep. And if they did, um, the sheep are very fearful and it would um, have created a lot of problems for them. And so mm-hmm. that just wasn't part of the vernacular that people were hitting their sheep. I mean, it's not good financial practice at the very <laughs> least. Right. And that yeah. was a brutal time period. So somehow Christians have just gotten behind the charge. I I remember someone taking me aside and saying, yeah, so the way that you spank, it's like a several step process. And first you pray. Wow. And like they were making it almost a sacred act. And I, I just rebuke that. I rebuke that. I think that so much of parenting is a spiritual discipline where we are trying more and more to become like God, giving unconditional love and delighting in a creature that is not always delightful. Mm-hmm. And it's not about how to punish and hit. So I just get very fired up about that. Yeah. Oh, I I love that so much. When you said that, I, I shared that with probably like three or four mom friends of mine. And I was like, you've got to follow Mary because I did hear that a lot, like spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, even when it came to my little guy. And then, you know, I tried my hand at it and I was like, I feel awful. I don't want to pop his butt. Like, I really just like, I want him to learn a lesson. I want him to understand why I'm upset about this. Like, I don't want him to just be afraid of me. I want him to know the the hypocrisy of hitting a child and saying, we don't hit. Yeah. Don't you yell at me. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) 
mean, it is hilarious when you think about it because, and I, I don't know if it was you or someone else was talking about how um, a lot of like children aren't necessarily seen as humans. Like they're seen as like this property or these things that we own. And I was recently talking to my son about belonging and I asked him, I said, do you know who you belong to? And he said, oh, I belong to you. And I said, well, actually, you know, I don't think you belong to me in the in the way that you, like, yes, you are my little boy and you are so important to me and I just love you so much. But I want you to remember that you always belong to yourself and to God. And, well, you know, and, and I, and I thought about that because there was another one of my teachers um, who said that, and she, she had heard her daughter having a conversation with one of her um, friends as a child. And her daughter is, you know, an adult now and a mother. And she heard her, her kids talking about like who they belong to and all of that. And her daughter was like, well, no, we belong to ourselves. Whoa. And, and I was like, wow, what a proud mom moment that may have been for you to like, for her to have ownership over her own life and body and all of this. And, and I realized that, you know, I really want my son to know in a world that is prepared to tell him who he is and what he should do and how he should behave and, you know, being owned by a corporate system one day or, you know, behaving in a way that's like, I'm I'm behaving this way because I belong to something as opposed to what what do I choose and what does a, a higher authority than me choose, God or universe or whatever he chooses to subscribe to when he's an adult. And I just, I love that so much. And I wonder, like, what do you think about belonging as it comes to like parenting and, you know, teaching our children? I, I know you've, you've mentioned in your um, teachings about like, but being, being in control, but not in charge or being in charge or not in control or something like that. Yeah. So first I just want to say what a gorgeous mother you are, that you would have such an intentional conversation and that you would pave the way. It's such a generous act to let your child know it's okay to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And on some level, you're seeding that ground to say you belong to yourself and to God. And um, I, the number one regret that it gets voiced to hospice um, workers on a deathbed, like the literal, I'm about to die, is I wish I would have lived for myself instead of yeah. others wish I would have done what I wanted to do rather than trying to please someone else. So you're just totally setting him up for a fulfilling and holistic life. And that's gorgeous. Um, what do I think about belonging? I, I like feel like I'm not as smart as you. I never think about what do I belong to? Um, but where that connects to what are you in charge of versus what are you in control of? You are not in control of your child's behavior. Because as you say, they belong to themselves. They're an autonomous human being, whether they're two or 25, you have no control over what they do and what they think and how they feel. Now, when they're little, we can pick them up and move them on. And that's totally justifiable and we should. But as they sort of progress, like a teenager, you can ask them to empty the dishwasher. You can hope that you have created a home where there's collaboration, but we kind of get to a point where the only thing we're really in charge of, well, we're in charge of everything, right? We're in charge. I'm like screwing up my own metaphor. You're, you are in charge of your, of you're in charge, but you're not in control. 
So you're in charge of the home, you're in charge of setting the culture. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, sort of creating a therapeutic resonance, choosing the energy of your home, but you are not in control of how people respond to that. So a lot of times someone will come to me as a client and it's like, how can I get my son to, and the first thing we work on is how do you get yourself to, how do you become who you want to be on your side of the street? How do you become the calmest, kindest thing, regardless of his behavior? And that usually shifts their behavior anyway. But I just think people have, I don't know where we got it, that we're supposed to, like, we're going to be judged by how well-behaved our child is. And, you know, zero to seven, I get it. You have some control because their brain is still wired to want to follow you like a duckling, you know? But that begins to shift. The mm. the nine-year change is a pretty intense um, comeuppance for most parents. And you've got a lot of parents that keep going down the road of, um, what is it called? Autonom- uh, what's the A word for parents that authoritative. authoritative, they keep going sort of down that authoritative. What I say is what goes. And then what happens is little fissures in the relationship because you got to decide, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in a relationship? Yes. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I, I've said that a, a couple of times to uh, my partner as we've been feeling our way into our own parenting styles over the last almost eight years. And um, I remember telling him when we were in, um, we were going through a terrible experience with a kindergarten teacher. Um, we chose to, to keep our son in kindergarten for a second year because his birthday's late. And also he was so tiny And I felt like he needed some time to mature a little bit. So I'm like, you know, if he's got the space, because technically he won't really be the age, you know, to be in first grade at that time. I mean, we had a teacher who was not great. And um, I tend to, I, I tend to trust who my child is, especially if it's someone who just met him. And then they're immediately judging and saying, oh, your child is doing this and this is how they're behaving. And inferring that my child is like being malicious or trying to, you know, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like him at all. Like he's kind of honest to a fault. He hasn't really learned how to like, I'm going to lie and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get over on them. Um, And, you know, my partner was raised differently than I, we were raised in two different um, experiences, which interestingly enough, we have the same number of ACEs scores, which that might be a whole nother episode. Um, But I'm I'm adverse childhood experiences for those of you who don't know what that is. And I I had him take a, you know, take a test because I was like, I just know he's probably had a lot of experiences and we both did it. And I was like, so we have the same number. That's great. (laughs) um, But, you know, I I told him, you know, we're both really responsible for having our own relationship with our son. And it's really up to ourselves to establish whatever relationship we want to have. And, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to stay off of a therapist's couch when he's an adult. But, you know, we should really be trying our best to to show up in a way that that primes him to not only respect himself and respect us, but also respect the role of being a parent so that he also wants to show up in a respectful way as a parent one day. Mm -hmm. Um, And. You mentioned um, the therapeutic resonance um, uh, of a mother. Can you speak more on that? Yeah, I love to kind of explain this with a story um, of a whale mama. Mm, I love whales. Yeah, me too. So let's imagine that maybe you could play some cool whale music under this story. Just kidding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 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 
what? Like, um, yes. it makes me think of like a uh, Dory and yes. Hello, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I wrote this little story out. Mama whales love their babies, just like you love your baby. And most of the time, mama and baby move through the water in the same sparkling rhythm, singing the same tune. This is your, this is your part. <laughs> but this is the story of a different time, a time when baby whale had gigantic whale-sized feelings, too big for the ocean to contain, and her upset cries created choppy waves of confusion. Think like this, like, wah, 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 wah. And what made the baby whale upset? We don't know. Maybe the water wasn't warm enough and she was disappointed. Maybe she saw the shadow of a shark and got scared. Or maybe she hadn't slept well the night before and the plankton was low and she was tired. Or maybe she started second grade. Whatever the reason, baby whale's very upset, crying and shouting and flipping her tail rather uh, destructively. Now, what's beautiful about this mama whale is she doesn't punish her. She doesn't spank her. She doesn't even shout at her. She just breathes in and out like you can do right now if you're listening to this. More time on the exhale. It's a long exhale. And once Mama Whale was sure that she herself was calm, she moved very close to baby. And she kept her song and her energy calm and loving and firm. Now Baby Whale is bathed in Mama's Whale's peaceful, connected energy and her slow sonar song and soon enough, baby whale feels calmer and back in tune with mama. And that's what I want parents to remember is that we have our own way of creating an energy that then either resonates well or clashes with our child. But we have, it's sort of like, are you familiar with a tuning fork mm-hmm. in science or in music? Like with you, yeah, hit- I actually have one right here on my desk. <laughs> Can you hit it? Can you hit yeah. the sound? Oh, I, I totally can. Let's okay. see. You're going to hear a lot of weird noise, listener. But yeah. Oh, beautiful. Wow. We're just going to take a moment and enjoy the soothing sounds from Takesha. <laughs> um, so if we had another tuning fork right next to you and we put a microphone up to it, it would be making the very same sound because of the energy waves would move to that other one and begin to reverberate it at the same frequency. And so that's called harmonic intention or entrainment. And we can create an energy, a culture, an emotional space for a child that they then come into alignment. But it requires us to sort of do our work first. We have to be healthy. We have to be grounded. I have a friend named Denise. God bless her. She's always in crisis. Mm. it's come to the point where to spend time with her, I won't like go for a walk with her or have her over. I'll meet her someplace in a public space so we can have lunch because there's a good chance that in a public space, she's not going to break down and start crying. Mm. And she's sort of just, she's struggling, but she's been struggling for a while. I have another friend, Beth, who is really does a lot of work to, to regulate and self care. And she's a warm, safe space. And who do you think I go to when I'm struggling? Mm, go to Beth. Beth. Yeah, <laughs> because I, sh- her calm energy is going to help my calm energy. And so we have to be really aware that we, that's what we have control over. And that's self-regulation. Like how, that's the first step to any great discipline. If you are trying to teach something, 
It doesn't work unless you are self-regulated. You have chosen a grounded energy that feels safe and uh, approachable. I don't know. What do you think about all that? That sounds amazing. And it makes me think of like, okay, well, how can I, I guess for lack of a better word, like how can I get my way with my kid when I need to, which that's not a great way to say it, but you know, in, in instances where I, where I need him to, you know, behave in a particular way, like get to school, like put your clothes on so we can get out the door and get to school. And I, for me, like I found, because my, my kid is just so clever um, if I say, well, if we don't get to school on time, um, we're not going to, he's into robots. So like, I, like usually the consequence ends up being something like, you know, we're not gonna, mommy's not going to buy this $500 worth of equipment for you to build this robot, you know, whatever. Um, and instead of him saying to himself like, oh, well, let me get myself together so I can get to school. He's like, it's like he, he moves, he still moves slow. And so I'm like, gosh, well, what is it? And then what happens is like later on in the day, he gives me ultimatums. Like, Mm. well, if you don't do such and such, then I'm not going to like, it's like, you know, it's like on one hand, it's like, I want him to respect me. And then on the other hand, it's like, I think he thinks we're complete equals, which is true. I mean, as far as being human, but then it's confused. This generation of parents, we're confused. We're trying to consciously parent. Are we equals? Are we not? But can I speak into your example? Yes, please. So you, you asked, first off, I was, I was, I was noticing the question because the question we carry dictates the answer. And the question right now is how do I get him to do what I want? And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the most constructive question. I wonder. I know if it's I, not, I don't know what the question is, but I need for him to get to school on time. <laughs> I would say, what if your question, you just tried it, like try a different question every week. But what if the question was, how can I create an energetic environment that makes it more likely we will cooperate with each other. Mm. And if you're needing to go someplace to get out the house, there's steps to that that start the night before. Like, show me what you're going to wear tomorrow. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Well, we're picking it out tonight. So do you want to pick it out or you want me to? Getting that stuff out ahead of time, making the lunches the night before, and then respecting his metabolism. He might be a dude that's just... He, like I saw one of your stories when you went to wake him up and he's a slow, dreamy wake up. Oh, he's a, everything he does is very slow and just very, even when I have like some road rage, he'll say he's, he's very protective of all creatures. And I'll say, come on lady. Like we got to get to school. And he's like, well, mom, she's just taking her time. Don't, don't you tell me to take my time? It's okay. It's not an emergency. Like, and I'm like, it is an emergency. We will be late for school. And then I will be late for whatever. Your energy. So I saw your shoulders go up, your tempo went faster and your, um, the tone went up. Yeah. You went from, yeah, my son to, yeah, it is emergency. And so that (laughs) energy is what's going to stress him out. And it sounds like he might be the kind of guy that resists. Oh, You're going to push me fast. I'm going to take my heels and put them in. So we know that about him. Yep. That's kind of a cool fact that we can work around that this man needs to feel like there's a lot of space to walk into, which means he probably needs to be woken up, you know, an hour before it's time to go. He's not at, let's get this done in 15 minutes. Sometimes we think, well, I want to give him as much time to sleep. He actually needs that spaciousness in the morning 
and no screens to pull them off the um, game. Um, yeah. I'm, and we're, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting in your business, so I'll back oh, off. Oh, no, I have to keep him off the screens, especially in the morning because he gets like fixated. And I, I think really our biggest challenge is um, he's been sleeping in our bed. He, he comes to get in our bed every night around the same time. And so in my mind, I'm like, gosh, he keeps breaking his sleep. This is why he's tired when he wakes up in the morning instead of mm-hmm. sleeping like long and continuous. We go to bed early. He still wakes up. We keep all the lights on. He still gets up. And so that becomes my my challenge is like, okay, one, how do I get him to sleep all night? How do I get him to feel safe enough to sleep in his room? Because he's like, I'm scared. Like, And then I'm like, well, I don't want to just be like, well, now we're just all going to sleep in the same bed together. Because if we start there, he will sleep all night. But I'm like, this is not the pattern I want. Like, I don't want him sleeping in my bed every night. So, you know, I... I that's a good point. Like I'm always thinking, yeah, I want him to get some extra rest because his sleep is broken. He got up in the middle of the night to come in our room. So I wait to like the last possible moment that he can sleep. And then I'm like, hurry, 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 hurry. We got to go. We got to go. And then he does. I know know from this 10 minute conversation, that energy doesn't work with him at all. We're looking for therapeutic resonance. He needs some spaciousness to walk into kind of like an introvert in a conversation. I've had a lot of classes I've run where I'll open up some space. So what do you guys think? And the extroverts always like looks around, no one's talking and just starts talking. And introverts need like a good three second dip to go, okay, I guess no one's walking into here. I'll step in almost like a carousel, you know, going around needs to have some open spots. And I think he needs that energetically. And I believe that when you decide unilaterally what you want about sleep, you'll make it happen. Sometimes it's the ambivalence, like, well, I don't mind him being in here and he's scared. There'll come a moment where you'll either say, you know what, we're in Japan now. This is a family room. Here's your cot on the floor. Go at it um, for a season. Or you'll decide, you know what, no more, which means for five nights in a row, he comes in and you stand up and you walk him right back out. And there's a little bit of drama. So Neither of those is right or wrong. It's it's all whatever works for your family. Yeah. Well, and I and I tried to be compassionate because initially it started because we had, we had a dog that died last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like he's really having a hard time dealing with loss. And mm-hmm. you know, he's gotten really he'd gotten really clingy and I'm like gosh, it's been almost a year now, which he still talks about that dog almost every day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like do I get him a therapist? Like, you know, what do we do? We got all the books about loss and all the, you know, my dog is gone and all these things to, you know, at a kid's level. So, which- and Don't forget uh, the pandemic. There's always well, that. Right, exactly. So I've, I've left so much space because I was like, this has just been a traumatic time. And I don't necessarily have a big deal, have a big problem with him sleeping in our bed. Um, but I just wore, I'm like, gosh, I mean, he's seven or eight. Like, at what point is that? And also, I also need to sleep and not have a- like seven-year-old knee in my back. But yeah, sharing the bed is the hardest when it's just literally not enough space. But yeah, you always know who you're getting advice from. My 14-year-old slept on my floor last night. Oh, well, listen. Not out of fear, out of like, oh, I was getting bit by bugs. It's like, okay, we got to investigate that. What kind of bugs are biting my son? You heard it here first. What kind of rancid <laughs> home am I running? Oh, man. We'll see. And, and that's why I think it's so important to have examples because – if left to my own devices, I'm thinking, well, is it okay for for him to want to be like, is am I creating some kind of 
codependency that I don't want him to have. But then well, when I think the of- thing with anxiety, yeah. sometimes we as parents make accommodations like, oh, they can't handle it. And it turns out we're kind of calcifying their inability to handle something. Mm-hmm. I took a 14, maybe 15 year old to the pediatrician and she asked if my daughter was spending the night out much. And, and my daughter said, no, I like to be home in my own bed. And she asked a few more questions and kind of got that there was some anxiety about being away from us. And the, the doctor looked at her and said, you know, you've got three more years till you go to college. My recommendation is that you begin to practice sleeping away from home. And part of me was like, I hadn't thought of it that way. This is sort of a muscle you build because we all know that sleepover where we get called to go pick up the kid at, at 12 midnight. But, um, I had been making an accommodation, which was, Oh, do you mind if I come get her or whatever? And, and, you know, again, that's sort of a laced with each family does things differently with spend the nights. But it it was interesting that if we kept going where we protected her from that, what happens when boom, you're now in another state and you can't come Mm. home. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. So what, what, you know, what kind of people do you work with typically? Like, are these parents of very small children? Are these parents of, I mean, I know we've talked about teenagers and all of that. Like, who is your client typically? It's typically someone with a child between two and 16. Mm. And um, usually it's somebody trying to do conscious parenting whose child is really strong-willed and they don't have a lot of support from their own parents to kind of figure this out because they were raised differently. And, but then I've got a few, some of my favorite clients have 23 and 26 year olds. And we're talking about what's it like to let go fully of control and stay in relationship with your child. So, um, and I've got somebody else who's an aunt who said, I need help on how to do better at raising my niece, to which I said, I'm not going to help you with that. That's not your child, but I will help you figure out why you're taking over responsibility. And mm. she said, yes, she wants to work with me. So it's kind of, you know, I mostly like to work with women and uh, we were over FaceTime, but I'm finding I'm a, I'm a little bit at that point in my career where I don't have enough spots. So I'm moving into classes creating a Mm -hmm. class that a lot of people can be on at once. And so the one coming up is choosing calm in chaos. And it's just one hour going through what is an energetic sort of sequence of of things you can do to stay calm when you're feeling triggered, whether it's Mm. like disrespect or a meltdown. And it's, it's a, it's a week from, I guess it's, Oh, I should know this. It is, I'm looking right now. It's October 9th, and it will be live on Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, but it will be recorded and available for a year. So um, if if this airs after that date, um, come on and just listen to it. It'll be live and ready to go. 29 bucks, and I think every person should have spent a little time thinking about how do I want to stay calm because a lot of us just didn't see a parent do that. And we don't want to yell. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this episode when it immediately airs, um, it is October 2nd today. So you have uh, a week, essentially, to attend this class live. And if you're listening to this after that time, 
you will most likely be able to listen to the replay, which I'm sure will be just as valuable um, and juicy. I, and like I said, I need to be in on that class. So <laughs> I will most likely sign my little self up. Um, and and I'm, I'm curious too, like I, I've watched over the last year how your um, your presence on social media has expanded and you know you share such helpful advice and tips for free on social media. How has that impacted? I mean, I, you just said that like you're kind of running out of space for like one-on-one work and so you're doing more classes. But how has that um, how has the impact um, come across? Like do you get a lot of people in your DM saying like, oh my God, this, you know, you're helping me? What what does that look like for people and for you? Uh, it's pretty incredible. I wish that my love language was words of affirmation. Cause I get, mm. I get fluffed up a lot. Like people are saying, I just tried this thing and it worked and people are starving for mentors. And there's a lot of people sh- sharing parent education on there. So if I'm not your cup of tea, find somebody who is, but I, I am finding that like, I get to be the big sister for a lot of people I've never met. And they will send me pictures of a smiling child or they'll brag to me and say, I stayed so calm. I re- had your voice in my head. And so that's amazing. Unfortunately, my love language is acts of service. So come do my laundry. <laughs> come do something for me. Make my life easier. Um, and and it's incredible. I mean, I'm now. Um, it's it's a love hate relationship with Instagram because part of me like loves the fact that I'm running my own TV show. Like I can put up anything I want and get immediate um, response. And it, it's never what I think it's going to be. Like I'll, I'll put a lot of thought into, Hey, I want to tell you about pausing pause for three seconds. You know, do this whole thing. It'll be a ghost town. And then I'll talk about, I don't own any hand towels and I have a guest coming for the first time in three years should I get hand towels? And, you know, 40 people will want to tell me their thoughts on hand towels. So you never know <laughs> what you're going to get people jazzed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, but you know, that's really the work of building relationship and you're essentially helping parents build really profound and powerful and, and, um, stronger relationships with their children. And so like, they're trusting you. And so they're like, yeah, like now, like in my head, I'm like, oh, Mary is one of my big sisters that I wish I had. And I just kind of like, oh my God, I'm kind of feeling like I'm spinning out. Let's see what thing Mary's got to say about tone, because I've really been working on my tone here lately. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I really appreciate the work that you do, not just because I myself am a mother, but because, you know, all of us have been parented by someone, whether it was a guardian or a mother or a grandmother. And we all have our own experience around being parented and our own experience parenting if we are parents. And it's really nice to see someone who, um, you know, your your style is very non-judgmental. And we also know that you are a woman of faith. And a lot of times those don't come together and that's been really, um, really wonderful for someone that I was raised in the church and have spent a number of years de- deconstructing my own stuff around, you know, growing, growing up in the church and the judgment of that. And, you know, the, your, your children belong to you and they should behave in it. Like all these different things that you hear. And then to see someone who's like, okay, she's a woman of faith. And also I totally vibe with 
what she just said about tone. And that makes so much sense for my kid to like respect me and for me to not try to control him, but to be in charge, because that sounds like a whole lot safer of a container to hold for your children than to just be like, I'm going to be the one domineering everything that you're doing until you can get away from my grasp and live your life free. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want him to ever run away screaming from here. I want him to grow up and want to come back. And he's Mm -hmm. promised that he will still hug me and give me cuddles when he's an adult and I'm going to hold him to it. (laughs) So, oh, I love this so much. I could talk to you forever. I... I want people to know how they can work with you if they're listening to this, like, oh my God, I really need some support around parenting and all this. How how would you, I mean, you've got your workshop, you've got your class coming up. Um, how else can people work with you if there is a way? Well, um, two other classes. I One is uh, sibling school, two mm-hmm. hours, just foundational things you can do to make it more likely your children are going to get along. And then what the heck you're supposed to do when they don't get along. So if, especially if you were raised without siblings or it didn't go well with your siblings, hit that class up. And then the other class is if you don't like your child right now, like mm. you just don't find them, you love them, but you would never choose them as a friend. <laughs> That's what yeah. I used to say about my daughter. Now she's like my bestie. But um, then I have the compassionate response meditation, which is a, a one hour class to kind of awaken the part of you that is compassionate about your child and sees that they are both flawed and golden. And so uh, those classes are great. And then if you're thinking you want a longer term help and you want to really invest in your parenting, then I I invite folks to work with me for eight sessions and I charge $1,500 and it's over three or four months. And we really transform the way you show up as a mother. Amazing. I love that. And I have just one more question that I ask everyone. And that is, what practices do you personally lean on when you need to stay with yourself? How do you stay with yourself when life is challenging or you're being called to move out of your comfort zone? Mm. I ask myself, who's doing the talking? Who's here? Who's narrating this? Because if I'm not careful, I go back to old patterns, old ways of sabotaging myself. I've got an inner... Um, kind of controller that am I allowed to curse? Sure. Who always says, what is the fucking plan? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have this like drill sergeant within me that wants to know what the fucking plan is all the time. And meanwhile, that's not who I am. I'm this organic, um, creative ADHD, like let's figure it out. Something great will come of it. But if I'm not fully aware of who's doing the talking, is it my most kind, sage, Holy Spirit self, or is it these old hurting parts of me that no longer need to run the show? So that's what helps me stay. I love that. That's such a beautiful place to close and land and put a pin in all of this. I hope that you listening found so much healing and joy and insight from this conversation. I encourage you to find Mary Van Geffen on the interwebs. She's on Instagram. She's a joy to follow. Um, Sign up for her classes. If you're a parent, one of her class, at least one of her classes is for you. Um, Get in there. She's so worthwhile. And I love learning from people who have not just learned the textbook way to support people, but have also done the work for themselves in their own parenting. And I love how you you know, share your own life and your own parenting with us from time to time. 
um, and what it looks like for you to parent your own spicy child um, and what it looks like for you to, uh, you know, have grown up as a spicy child into an adult and what that looks like in your relationship and in your life. And it's just been such a pleasure and so healing to be a part of um, from the outside. So thank you so much for sharing that part of Mm. you with all of us. Mm, Thank you. And thank you for creating this space where these important conversations can happen. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. Take care. Mm.